Well, good morning. So glad that you all could join us today. Good morning, everyone that's tuning in online. Today, we're going to be continuing our series through the book of Acts. We've experienced a lot of Paul's story as he's come to faith and begun to preach the gospel. And now he finds himself on trial for proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so before we get to that part of the story, let's go before our Lord and pray. Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus' name. God, thanking you for your word. God, I pray that you would move me out of the way. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase and be made much of in the lives of your people today. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. A Christian rapper by the name of Emmanuel Lambert wrote a song called My Story. And in my story, he talks about his upbringing. Lambert was raised in a Christian home. He was raised in a family of faith. And as a matter of fact, he came to faith himself at a very young age. At the age of five years old, one night, Lambert says that he got down on his knees before he went to sleep and prayed to receive Christ. And because he came to faith so early and because he didn't have a lot of drama in his story, he believed that he had a boring story. He believed that he really didn't have a story worth sharing. Other people had these stories with thunder and lightning and fire and drama and this and that. But he said it was just him and Jesus one night coming to faith. And he followed Jesus for the rest of his life. But he didn't think that he had an interesting story. He, he didn't think that he had a story worth sharing. He thought he was just a church kid. Nothing special about that. But as he got older, his perspective began to change. He began to see the gold in his story. Hear these lyrics from his song titled, My Story. He says, I don't have a horror story. God kept me in my youth. I give him all the glory. I thought my story didn't flow, but now I know the blood of the lamb has saved my soul. And that's my testimony. The blood of the lamb has saved my soul. And that's my testimony. Friends, that's not boring. That's a miracle. That's not boring. That's a gift from the God of the universe. And if a five-year-old receives Christ today and continues to follow Christ all of the days of his or her life, that is far from boring. That is a miracle, and we celebrate that. How often do we miss the gold in stories like that? Here's the big idea for today. If Jesus is in your story, then your story is worth sharing. If Jesus is in your story, then your story is worth sharing. Whether you came to know Christ at the age of five or 75, whether you were most likely to succeed in high school or not, there is gold in your story. And if God is in your story, there's gold in your story. And if God is in your story, he's in your story because he chose to be which makes it all the more special. And with every individual story, there's something unique. There's something God did in your life that is special. There's some value, something worth sharing, some lesson, some remembrance of God's saving grace. 
and that could be of great value to someone else. If Jesus in your story, is in your story, you have a story worth sharing. In Acts chapter 25 and 26, we see Paul understanding this as he's proclaiming his conversion story boldly as he stands on trial. At this point in the book of Acts, Paul has been imprisoned in Caesarea for two years. He's been imprisoned for preaching the gospel, but his enemies are not satisfied with him just being in prison. They want more. They want Paul's life. A man by the name of Festus was the governor at the time, and he really didn't know what to do with Paul. Let's look at the story. It picks up Acts chapter 25, verses 1 through 3. Three days after arriving in the province, Festus went up to Caesarea to Jerusalem, where the chief priest and the Jewish leaders appeared before him and presented the charges against Paul. They requested Festus as a favor to them to have Paul transferred to Jerusalem, for they were preparing an ambush to kill him along the way. Paul has been imprisoned in Caesarea, but the Jewish leaders want Paul transferred to Jerusalem, not for the sake of having a fair trial, but so they could ambush him and take his life. This is a setup. Paul is in a dangerous situation. He has some dangerous enemies. And if he would just stop talking about Jesus, if he would just stop sharing this story, maybe just maybe things would work out for him. Stop telling that story, Paul. But he can't. Not after what he has experienced. He just can't. Jesus is alive. Jesus came into my life and I can't stop talking about it. I have to tell the story. We pick up verse 7 and 8. When Paul came in, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him. They brought many serious charges against him, but they could not prove them. Then Paul made his defense. Here, Paul, he says, I have done nothing wrong against the Jewish law or against the temple or against Caesar. This is an intense court battle. This is pure legal drama. Think law and order. Think an episode of Matlock, for those who remember that. The Jewish leaders are bringing serious charges against Paul, but the charges aren't sticking, and they're going back and forth and back and forth. And then Paul says this. He says, I am now standing before Caesar's court where where I ought to be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews, as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving of death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. Governor Festus doesn't have a strong comeback for that. He just says, you've appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. Truth be told, Festus doesn't know what to do With Paul, he is frustrated. Festus is like, they don't pay me enough for this. I need some help. Help me. So he seeks some help from a friend named King Agrippa. King Agrippa was in town, and while Agrippa was there, he agreed to meet with Paul. 
and they didn't meet one-on-one at a Starbucks or anything like that. Paul was summoned to the auditorium at the palace of Caesarea. It was called the Great Hall. And I love how the message version, version translates this. In verse 23, it says, The next day, everybody who was anybody in Caesarea found his way to the Great Hall along with the top military leaders, King Agrippa and his sister Bernice made a flourishing grand entrance and took their places. Festus then ordered Paul to be brought in. The room was packed. It was packed full of well-known and powerful people. Paul was standing before kings and queens and governors and high-ranking military leaders and high-ranking prominent Roman officials. They were dressed in extravagant attire, displaying their wealth and status through their clothing. They were dressed in purple fabrics and wore dazzling gold jewelry and crowns. They had carefully manicured and managed appearances. It was like a Hollywood award show, a room full of big shots trying to impress other big shots. Then, In walks Paul, dressed in chains, in a room filled with so much ego and image management and showmanship. In walks the prisoner, the Apostle Paul, a man in chains. All eyes are on him, a man with no status in the business world, no rank in anyone's military. No political seat, no fancy clothing, no mansion, no country club membership, no fancy boats and toys to play with on the weekend. Why is he even here? And Acts 26, 1 says this, Then King Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself, Paul. So Paul motioned with his chained hands, and began his defense. Paul, a slave to Christ, a man in chains. What do you have to say for yourself before this well-dressed crowd of important people today? Do you attempt to impress them? Do you try to fit in? Do you hand out business cards for your tent-making business? What are you going to say, Paul? The world is watching. Eight years ago, a pastor by the name of Reverend Lee Stone King had an opportunity to speak in front of the United Nations General Assembly. In that room that day were government officials and representatives from 193 different nations. So what does he say? He tells his story. In 2003, while in Australia, Reverend Stone King had a massive heart attack that left him dead for 45 minutes. The doctors gave him 10 shock treatments to resuscitate his heartbeat. They were trying. But after those 10 shock treatments failed, Reverend uh, Reverend Stone King was put on a stretcher and declared dead on arrival. He had been dead for 45 minutes. His blood had begun to clot. The paperwork for his death had already been drawn up at the hospital. And then then he wakes up and scares the life out of the ambulance driver. Normally, after six minutes or less, 
with no oxygen to the brain, there's irreparable brain damage. But Reverend Stone King didn't have any brain damage. The doctor said to him, you have defied all the laws of medical science. And Reverend Stone King looked at the doctor and said, I didn't. But I know the one who did. His name is Jesus. And after sharing his story at the United Nations General Assembly, Reverend Stone King closed with this. He says, and quote, I am a Christian. And my message here to you today is this. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and verse 38, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The answer, your excellencies, to the violence in our day and to the human atrocities in our day is Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. I give you Jesus. God bless you. When I hear a story like that, I'm like, wow, the boldness. Wow, that's incredible. If I had a story like that, I would share that story everywhere that I went. But friends, if Jesus is in your story, then you have a story worth sharing. And I pray that God shows you the gold in your story. The gospel, the gospel is foolishness to the world, rubbish to the world, flat out, uncool, unmarketable, unpretty. There's not enough polish to put on it to make it attractive to the world. But that's not why we share the gospel. Everything that we say or do won't be liked or followed on Facebook or double-tapped on Instagram. But we share the gospel because there's power in the name of Jesus, power to bring dead things back to life. The Apostle Paul was given a huge platform in front of some very important people, and he uses it to preach the gospel and to tell his story, and that's where we're going to end today. Let's listen to Paul as he shares his story. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes And turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Even in chains, Paul stands as a witness to the true God who can alone open the eyes of the blind and bring dead things back to life. And Paul does this simply by sharing his story. Friends, there's gold in your story. And sometimes God gives his people a platform. Sometimes that platform 
is the United Nations General Assembly. Sometimes that platform is in front of royalty, like we see in the story of Paul. But sometimes that platform is talking to a neighbor across the street, talking to a coworker in the lunchroom, talking to a stranger on the airplane, talking to a family member in the living room. So how might God use your story? If Jesus is in your story, then your story is worth sharing. So how do you share your story? I'm not going to give you a point-by-point thesis. It's simple as this. Just tell people what God did and leave the results up to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in your son Jesus' name. God, thank you for what you have done in our lives. Help us to remember the grace and the love and the mercy and the compassion that you've displayed to us throughout the years, days, and hours, Father God. I pray that we won't forget the big things and the little things. And give us the courage to share that story when you give us the opportunity and the platform. And I pray for those who don't know you, God, that they will begin that journey with you today, that they will come to know you in your initiation to their stories. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You guys have a blessed day. I invite you to receive the benediction as we go. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace both now and forevermore. Go in peace, brothers and sisters. Be blessed.